You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Today is Wednesday, the 30th of September, and here's your quarantine tip of the day. In these trying times, when we're spending so much time at home with our loved ones, it's important to maintain healthy relationships. So if you spent 90 minutes last night yelling at your TV, please make sure to patch things up today. Remember, you and your TV are in this thing for the long haul, so be nice to it. Anyway, on tonight's episode, two old men fight to the death, why Desi Lydic is whispering in Joe Biden's ear, and Donald Trump might be racist? <gasps> so let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Now that we've all had a full day to absorb the first presidential debate, let's really sit down and talk about what we learned. You know, take some time to analyze the policy disagreements. Think through the important issues. Pass the nuances of... The New question Supreme is... Justice, radical question, left... Will you Who shut is up, your, man? Listen. You graduated either the lowest or almost the lowest in your class. This We've is so this unprecedented. The court. Hunter got thrown out of the military. He was thrown out, dishonorably discharged. That's not true. It wasn't cocaine use. Wait a minute. You get the final word, Mr. Well, it's hard to get any word in with this clown. Excuse me. This, hey, hey this let me person. just tell you, yeah, there's nothing smart about you, Joe. 47 years, you've done nothing. Well, said, you're the, the worst way, president wise... America has <laughs> ever had. Hey, hey, Come Joe, on. Let me... Oh, snap. These guys were bickering so much, Canada called the cops to complain about the noise. I have never seen a debate like that in my life. To be honest, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Honestly, it, it seemed less like a presidential debate and more like a fight that you overhear in a booth at Denny's. Well, you shut up, you clown. You got no class. I got no class. You got terrible grades and your son's a cokehead. You piece of shit. You don't talk about my son. You listen. Yeah, hi, can I get the, uh, the moon's over my hammy with the orange juice, please? Yeah, that'll be all, doll. Thank you so much. You got drunk and you hit on your own daughter. I wasn't drunk. I mean, some of these insults were way more personal than you ever seen in a debate, especially Biden calling Trump a clown, which guys, I'm sorry, man, is that's not fair to Trump, right? Clowns wear weird makeup. They, they have clothes that are too big for them. They're deeply sad even when they don't show it. Does that sound like Donald Trump to you? Now, let's just be clear. The reason that this debate was such a colossal train wreck is because Donald J. Trump was throwing grenades on the tracks. And usually in a debate, the moderator is there to prevent things from getting out of hand. But last night's moderator, Chris Wallace, was about as successful at stopping Trump as the popular vote. The country would be better served if we allowed both people to speak with fewer interruptions. I, I'm appealing to you, sir, to do that. Well, and him too. Well, frankly, you've been doing more interrupting well, than that's all right. I got rid of it. I'd like and you to, we will protect Mr. people President, I'm the moderator of this debate, and I would like you to let me ask my question, and then you can answer. Go your ahead. Sir, yeah, wait, wait, no, sir, it's, it's just the two, wrong step. No, I understand. You've agreed to the two minutes, so please let him have it. Sir, you made a You made a point. Let him answer. Mr. President, let him answer. The second subject is COVID-19, which is an awfully serious subject, so... Let's try to be serious about it. Stop. You're, you're doing it. You're going to have... True. Gentlemen, is, 
I hate to raise my voice, but it seems to me, why shouldn't I be different than the two of you? No, you've been talking back and forth. I'm asking you. I would love to end it. I would love to end it. You know, if you want to switch seats, we could very quickly. We could do that. Oh, man, that is so sad. Trump was being such a child that Chris Wallace actually had to pull the do you want to switch seats move that English teachers use with their students. And honestly, I'm glad that Trump didn't take him up on it. Because if Trump takes over Wallace's job, then Wallace has to take over Trump's job. And I don't know if he has it in him to kill 200,000 people. But seriously though, I feel bad for Chris Wallace. Any moderator in a Trump debate is basically a WWE ref. You're not really stopping anyone. You're just there to get body slammed every once in a while. And people have been criticizing Wallace for how he handled the debate. But honestly, guys, I don't know if another moderator could have done better. I mean, whether you like it or not, Trump is the president of the United States. So what was Wallace supposed to do, ground him? There was no way to stop Trump last night. He interrupted Biden, he interrupted Wallace, and there weren't any commercials last night. But if there were, Trump would have interrupted those too. Guys, are you tired of frequent nighttime bathroom trips? Well, force back your prostate. Why is it, just out of curiosity, the mayor of Moscow's wife gave your son three and a half million dollars. Whew, that guy's relentless. So, Look, this was not a shining moment in the American history books, right? Political observers refer to it as a shit show, a dumpster fire, the worst debate in history. And with all the interrupting and cross-talking, it might have even been hard to remember if anything important happened last night. But there was one moment that really stood out. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland? I'm willing to do anything. I want to see peace. Then do it, sir. Say it, do it, say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name, give me a name. White supremacists and right supremacists and right supremacists. Stand back and stand by, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left, because this is not a right-wing problem. Wow. There you have it, folks. Trump had an opportunity to be like, white supremacists, I don't with you. Instead, he's like, stand by, guys. I never know when I'm gonna need you. Telling white supremacists to stand down and telling them to stand by are not the same thing. Right? That one little word makes a huge difference. Like the difference between a blowout and a blowjob. Do not ask for the wrong one at Supercuts. Again, to the staff at Supercuts, I apologize. I, I hadn't slept and I didn't read the menu properly. And even for that non-condemnation, Trump had to be dragged into it. Like no president should ever have to be pressured this hard into condemning white supremacists. It's the easiest thing. Trump did it so grudgingly. He was like one of those guys who refuses to make real apologies. What, I'm I'm supposed to apologize for tailgating at your dad's funeral? Fine, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're unable to have a good time. Some of us are still living. And by the way, you know that you've truly botched your condemnation of a hate group when that hate group says, thank you for the endorsement. The Proud Boys, a far-right extremist group, immediately celebrating the president's comments on social media. They went nuts on social media celebrating. They put out those words as a rallying cry. 
Stand back, stand by. Within minutes, the group's members were posting on private social media calling Trump's comments, quote, historic. The New York Times reports that some group members labeled it as a tacit endorsement of their violent tactics, while another posted the group was already seeing a spike in new recruits. Yes, thanks to Donald Trump's failed condemnation, this hate group is now seeing an increase in recruits which means in the history of television, that might be one of the worst answers ever given. And that's coming from someone who once guessed the number seven on Wheel of Fortune. I didn't know it had to be letters. That was just like, I was new to America. The Proud Boys liked Donald Trump's answer so much that they're even adopting it as their new slogan. And that actually might piss off Trump because the one thing he definitely believes in is getting royalties. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody should be advocating the supremacy of the white man without giving Danny his cut. I'd be careful if I were the Proud Boys, though. Because if there's one thing we know about Donald Trump, it's that once he invests in you, you have about five years until you go bankrupt. So yes, in a debate that consisted almost entirely of three old men trying to shout over each other, this one moment was horrifying enough to break out and get noticed. And you know it's bad when even Trump's own supporters are left saying, you done f***ed up. The president, well, he would not condemn white supremacists. I agree that uh, the president uh, made, a, made a bad error, and I think that was a huge gaffe. He was, he was kind of like playing around. I, I didn't like that he equivocated when he could have slam dunked that. Uh, I think he misspoke. I think he should correct it. If he doesn't correct it, I guess he didn't misspeak. Donald Trump blew the biggest layup in the history of debates by saying not condemning white supremacists. I don't know if he didn't hear it, but he's got to clarify that right away. That's like, are you against evil? Um, why the president didn't just uh, knock it out of the park, I'm not sure. Yes. Why didn't the president condemn white supremacy? Hmm, it's a real mystery. Maybe he didn't hear the question. Or maybe he misspoke. Or maybe he thought they said Sprite supremacists and he's really into Sprite. I can't think of any other explanation, Watson. By the way, did you notice that even when Fox people acknowledge Trump did something really bad, they still give him the benefit of the doubt? I wish I had friends that were that loyal, you know? If I shat my pants in public, none of my friends would be like, Trevor didn't shit himself, his butt misspoke. Look, Trump's friends can play dumb about this all they want, but I don't know why. I don't know why at this point, people are still acting surprised when he refuses to denounce white supremacists. Because as you may remember, this is not exactly a new thing for him. I think there's blame on both sides. You had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. Now, you see today white nationalism as a rising threat around the world. I don't really. There are white supremacist groups and individuals like that who support you, some of whom you've even retweeted. Well, that I know nothing about. I mean, I don't know about retweeting. I mean, you, you retweet somebody and it turns out to be a white supremacist. I know nothing about these groups that are supporting me. Will you unequivocally condemn David Duke and say that you don't want his vote or that of other white supremacists in this election? I don't know anything about David Duke, okay? I don't know anything about what you're even talking about with uh, white supremacy or white supremacists. You wouldn't want me to condemn a group that I know nothing about. I'd have to look. If you would send me a list of the groups, I will do research on them. And certainly I would disavow if I thought there was something wrong. The but you Ku may Klux have Klan? groups in there that are totally fine and it would be very unfair. So give me a list of the groups and I'll let you know. Okay, I mean, I'm just talking about David Duke and the Ku Klux Klan here, but... 
I don't know any, honestly, I don't know David Duke. I don't believe I've ever met him. I'm pretty sure I didn't meet him, and I just don't know anything about him. Yeah. It's actually hard to keep track of all the times that Trump had the chance to be anti-racist and didn't. The only thing he avoids more than condemning white supremacists is paying taxes. And keep in mind, this is the same guy who has strong opinions on everything. I mean, the man tweeted for a month about Robert Pattinson's love life. Robert Pattinson, AKA Twilight. But then when it comes to white supremacy, he's like, hey man, I, I don't get involved in other people's business. You know, you do your own thing. The truth is people, Sometimes not having an opinion is having an opinion. If someone's like, I don't know Osama bin Laden, so I'm not gonna say anything bad about him, then you should stop talking to that person or at least don't get on a plane with them. So look, I get why his supporters want to act like Trump's Proud Boys moment last night was some kind of accidental or unintentional gaffe. But if you see someone making the same mistake over and over again, well, at some point, you have to accept that it's not a mistake, it's their belief. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll reveal which candidate was wearing an earpiece during the debate. <gasps> Spoiler alert, it was both. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. We've been talking about how crazy last night's debate was. And one of the craziest things is that a lot of President Trump's most hardcore supporters are apparently convinced that the only reason Joe Biden survived at all is that someone was feeding him answers through a secret wire. In fact, before the debate, the Trump campaign even wanted to inspect Biden for an earpiece. And honestly, the idea of digging through an ear that old is kind of exciting, you know, just from an archeological standpoint. Yes, we didn't find an earpiece, but we did discover this vase from the Shang Dynasty. Now, as usual, Everyone ignored Trump's crazy conspiracy theories, but in fact, The Daily Show can exclusively report that Joe Biden was in fact wearing an earpiece. I know it's shocking people, but not only that, it turns out Donald Trump was also wearing an earpiece. And we have the behind the scenes footage of what they were hearing during the debates. Welcome the Republican nominee, President Trump and the Democratic nominee, Vice President Biden. All right, Mr. Biden, I'll be here to guide you. Now just remember, presidents are leaders, so let's be calm and dignified. All right, Mr. President, you and me are gonna this guy up. Let's spread the cheeks and show these people an asshole. How you doing, man? All right, let's start off strong. Hit him with your biggest accomplishment. I'm the one that brought back football. By the way, I brought back Big Ten football <laughs> It was me and- What? I'm very no, your biggest be- accomplishment. Right. Like, uh... Ohio are very proud of me. Oh, shit. Gonna get those, I, I but those move, states, those states are not subject. doing well. Okay, Trump hates being mocked, so let's just laugh at him. <laughs> and that destroyed- Okay, crank it up a little more. Less than, <laughs> sir, less There's than- plenty. Bigger, big laugh. Like you're Much watching smaller, whatever people uh, your age watch. Three Stooges reruns. People with- What's true, nobody shows up to his right. They're in the military, so don't tell me about happy to talk about and if you were here that's right keep talking keep talking remember if you don't talk for more than 10 seconds you die because the question is the question oh will this guy shut up will you no 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 i didn't mean for you to say that no nobody's gonna vote for a president without manners all right we're about halfway through let's take a quick nap 
Look at what's going on. Rock right Alright, that's enough. Back up, back up. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups sure. and to say that they need to stand down and not <laughs> Hell no. White supremacists are half your base. You can't denounce them. In fact, do the opposite. Boys, stand back and stand by, but I'll yes. tell you- Perfect. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go white race. President Trump, you're holding large rallies. We have had no problem whatsoever. It's outside. Ooh, That's ooh, bring up Herman Cain. Bring up Herman Cain. Slam dunk. He's been totally irresponsible the way in which he has handled the, the social distancing and people wearing masks, basically encouraged them not to. All right. Ben, he's a fool on this. Yeah, you come on. What am I, on mute or something? Gentlemen, can we move oh, on to the economy? Sorry, Gentlemen, I was on mute. Can we move on to the economy? Can you hear me now? Answer the question Why because, would you answer that because question? the question, question is... Holy shit. We're an hour in and you haven't mentioned Hillary once. What are you waiting for? You saw what happened today with Hillary Clinton where it was a whole big con job? That's right. They'll teach you a run for president four years ago. I got rid of the individual mandate. Excuse me. I got rid of the individual mandate, which was a big joke of a comprehensive plan. That is. I don't understand. Why is Chris Wallace being so helpless? Mr. President, you're doing great. The moderator is totally helpless. Got stuck in traffic. Sorry, I'm late. Mr. Wallace, how we doing? It was the most unpopular aspect of Obamacare. I got rid of it. I'd like you to oh, I'm out. I'm out. And I would like you to let me ask my question, and then you can answer. Go ahead. Man, I hope you find better advisors next time, guys. It's time for us to take a short break, but don't go away. Because when we come back, I'll be speaking to the Reverend Al Sharpton. And then, John Cena is still coming up. Don't go away. The timeless comedy of last night's debate is finally available on DVD. Featuring your favorite bits like, I can finish. Mr. Sure. President, can you let him finish, sir? He doesn't know how to do that. He has, You'd you know, surprised. you pick. be surprised. Stop yapping, clown. Keep yapping, man. It's hard to get any word in with this clown. Excuse me, this Hey, hey this let me person. just say. And biggest mask I've ever seen. He could be speaking 200 feet away from it. He shows up with the biggest mask I've ever seen. Critics called it a shit show. Now, you can watch that shit show on repeat. Order now and we'll send you 2016's Best of Debate DVD special. No puppet, no puppet. It's pretty clear. You're the puppet. Order yours today. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with Reverend L. Sharpton, civil rights leader and founder of the National Action Network. We talked about the first presidential debate and the lessons that he offers up in his new book, Rise Up. Reverend L. Sharpton, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Thank you, I'm glad to be with you, Trevor. Let's jump straight into it. Your new book is entitled, Rise Up, Confronting a Country at a Crossroads. And you write in this book that America has two choices, basically. Either America continues being a progressive country that moves to make people's lives better and tries to better itself, or it goes back to a time when all that mattered was the color of your skin and how much money you had. Do you really think that the choice is that stark? And what do you think that means for America? I think the choices are that stark. In the last half century, we had in incremental steps at time and leaps at other times, started moving toward uh, a more inclusive society in terms of voting rights, in terms of 
uh, the rights of uh, ending some of the economic barriers in terms of gender equality, in terms of LGBTQ rights, all across the board, and in terms of dealing with climate change. And I deal with all of it in the book. And then all of a sudden, after eight years of Barack Obama as president, there was this backlash, almost like after Reconstruction mm -hmm. in the 19th century in this country. And that backlash was personified by Donald Trump. So what I go through in the book is my journey. I started as an activist when I was 13 years old. In my journey, I've seen that upward tilt fighting all the way up to ultimately seeing a Nelson Mandela walk out of jail to a, a, a Barack Obama becoming president. And then I see this challenge where Donald Trump won on denying that Barack Obama was a real American. He's not one of us. Right. and governing in that way. And I'm saying we're at a crossroads. We've got to decide, are we going to continue the trek that the Dr. Kings and the Mandelas all the way to my generation and the generation behind me were headed, or are we going to let this aborted route take us another way? And uh, ironically, it couldn't have been more uh, plain than in last night's debate, where right. you have a president refusing to denounce white supremacy even saying when he says, well, who are you talking about? And the Fox News anchor, who is the moderator, says, the, bad, the uh, Proud Boys, he says, stand back, stand by. Well, I don't say stand by. I say rise up. That's the name of the book. Let's talk about rising up. 2020 has seen a slew of protests like never before, I would think, in the United States. Now, you are the one person who could almost say that definitively because you have been part of the movements in this country from the very beginning in terms of, you know, marching for civil rights, in terms of getting out there and fighting for equal rights. When young people are out there fighting for freedom, there is a constant battle between, you know, how the protest should be managed, what the protest should be. Now, you were part of a movement that was nonviolent, but at the time was still considered to be one of the most agitative uh, protests around. It's not like people were hugging you for doing what you were doing. Would you, what advice would you give to the young generation today who are trying to start another type of protest in, in how they manage how the protest is seen and what the outcomes of that protest should actually be? I tell them because I'm still out there protesting with them and, and lead, we just had the, probably the biggest march in Washington a few weeks ago of the year. Uh, and I say to them, first of all, there's nothing new going on in these tensions. Because when I was young, we used to challenge the older way of doing things. Don't forget that uh, Dr. King was challenged by those in the Black Power movement. You had Dr. King and Malcolm at the same time, and there were tactical disagreements. So let's not act like this is new. When people start talking like that, I say, oh, you just haven't studied. We've always <laughs> had that. And what I say to them is you must set the goal. What are we trying to achieve? And the tactics must complement the achievement of the goal. If you are trying to get the courts and the criminal justice system to give justice to a George Floyd or a Breonna Taylor or Ahmed Arbery or whoever we are fighting for now, how I behave, what I do to raise attention and put focus on that, am I doing it in a way that will lead a jury to seeing that this was a peaceful, law-abiding person 
or am I acting in a way that a jury would believe, oh, well, they're out there wild and wet, reckless. Maybe the victim was that way and the police had no choice. You have to correspond. If you don't have the moral conviction, I have the nonviolence. Explain to me the tactic of if we, I was in Minneapolis leading up one of the uh, uh, vigils. Explain to me why if we go over and burn that store down, that's going to get the police indicted. You don't have to have my moral code. Explain to me the tactic of that. If we are just venting our anger, and nobody's more angry than me. I've been doing this for 40 years. But if we're just venting our anger, are we really exploiting the use of the victim to vent how we feel? Or are we really trying to change what we're angry about? That's what I tell them, and that's what I challenge them on. You've been part of the biggest movements that have helped to shape America today. What do you think the next 40 years is meant to be? What do you think the next fight should be? I think the next fight must be, first, we have to preserve what was established for voting rights, the rights of people to have economic opportunity, educational opportunity, and the rights across the board, gender equality, LGBTQ, and climate change. And then we must build on that so that we equalize society, where we don't have a society with the top 1% owning everything, they exploiting uh, the waters and the air. We need to build and hold what we have and then go forward. Otherwise, we're going to be in a contaminated planet that we cannot inhabit, and we're also going to have an inequality that the very fabrics of society is going to divide. And I think the next 40 years, I see for the first time a lot of people, young people, uh, even in my own organization, National Action Network, black and white. I see more whites than I've ever seen that are out there that gives me hope that we can go to the next step because it's not going to take any singular silo. We're going to have to learn how to intersect. And that's what I write in the book about. That's why I talk about more than just black issues. Right. If we don't have an intersectional movement, we cannot fight the powerful forces that we face. Reverend L. Shopton, thank you so much again for joining us on the show. Bless you, Trevor. Always glad to be with you. Thank you so much again for that, Reverend. All right, when we come back, I'll be getting into the ring with John Cena. Metaphorically, not for real. I'm not stupid. Come on, people. Don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with WWE superstar and actor John Cena. We talked about his New York Times best-selling children's book, how he gives back to his community, and why the guy's just so damn amazing. Check it out. John Cena, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Uh, thank you very much. It's good to be connected with you at a distance. <laughs> Man, last time I saw you was in person and I gave you a hug and I feel like I should have hugged you for longer because I didn't know that might be the last hug I ever get to give you. Um, before we get it won't be. You, you can't, hey man, you gotta have hope. It won't be. We will hug each other again. I don't know when. I can't tell you when, but you gotta have hope, man. You gotta have hope. Okay, so okay. So. Let's say in, in 2020, I probably won't get to hug you. But um, but I, before we get into all the work you've been doing, what what has John Cena been up like? How has John Cena been keeping himself um, motivated, excited, optimistic? Just the John Cena that we know. How are you keeping that going in in the 2020 that we're all experiencing? Uh, so. One favor, John, sorry, before you answer. Can you look slightly higher just for... at the? I can. Perfect, thank you, thank you. I can. It's really difficult not to look at you and look at the, to look at my micro camera, but I'm going, I'm going to adjust to the surrounding. 
I know the situation has been different for everyone. Uh, for me, the way I go about life hasn't changed. I look at it more like the rules have changed. So because of what's happened, we have to live under different rules. But I guess the ethos of my life is to just try to earn every day. So uh, that has the perspective of that has changed. But I've, I've been able to kind of stay true to who I am just by operating under the constraints of, you know, life is a gift and earn every day. Man, I feel like you, 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 you really earn every single day. Because one thing I've always admired about you is not just what a good person you are, but man, you work so hard. I mean, you're in the new Fast and the Furious movie. You are in an HBO spin-off series, right? <laughs> of a movie also, that nobody's even seen yet. <laughs> yeah, you are also, you're also going to be hosting Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? I mean, I, do you have the same 24 hours that I do, or am I measuring time incorrectly? Well, see, here's the thing, and this is a, a I don't want to create a gross misconception. Um, when I say earn every day, I mean, if, if I wake up completely lazy and I can't do anything, that's my earning the day. Like, take the day to relax and do nothing. So I, like I am not, I don't believe in the concept. I, I did as a younger, a younger man, but I don't believe in the concept of like grind 24 seven. Yeah. I, I do believe in the concept of seizing opportunity and understanding when it's at your feet and going out to get it. But a lot of that is you have to be passionate about these opportunities and you have to put yourself in them. And if you can't alter your course to be able to make the most of it, the opportunity is going to fall short, the product's going to fall short, and you're going to, you're going to deliver bad entertainment to consumers. So I rest and I, I kick back and do nothing like anybody else. So it's, it's not that we have uh, a different set of clocks. We maybe just have a different way of looking at it. You are a New York Times bestselling author. You know, um, the last time you came on the show, we were talking about one of, one of your books, one of the, the earlier books in the series. And we're back talking about it again, Elbow Grease. You've been updating the series. Kids love it, man. Parents love sharing it with their kids. There it is. There it is. Tell me a little bit about that, about the new book. Yeah, well, so the, the third book in the series is called Fast Friends, and it introduces a character called Chopper. And Chopper possesses all the skills of the five brothers, but she's better than all of them combined. So the book doesn't stray away from the core of the book. This book is supposed to be big and animated and fun and use words like gumption and jigamabobber and phrases like owie kazowie because you have young readers and you want to be able for them to use their imagination and you know lose themselves in visions. Uh -huh. But what I really wanted to try to do was offer the ability for parents and young readers to approach topics you normally wouldn't talk about, like self-worth and facing failure and facing fear and being proud of who you are and what to do when you see someone that is more skilled than you. How do you react when you see someone that is better than you? Not judging people by simply how they look. Oh, she's a girl. She can't do that. Only to find out that Chopper is better than not only just one of the brothers at their specific best skill, uh -huh. better than all of them at all of their skills. So um, it's, it's, it's a really, you can take from it what you want. I want young readers to go back and read the books and maybe enjoy the pictures. But also if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, or if you're a young reader and you want to lean into some of this stuff you don't usually talk about, it's all there, but it doesn't hit you over, over the head. And that's been a very meticulous, this process with all three of the books. 
you can't be out there in the same way, but you found a really creative way to promote this book. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah. So um, normally you're right. You do autograph signings and that is really where you get the word out about the book. And not only that, you get to, to meet people and interact with people. And those are some great moments. So once again, the rules have changed. And rather than say like, oh man, we can't do that. I was saying, what can we do to, to substitute? In an autograph signing, I would shake people's hands, maybe have time for a question or so. Can we set up that interface where they can leave their name, leave a wow. message, and I can give them a video? So for the past month, I've been doing a lot of videos, which is <laughs> awesome because people enjoy not only the book, but the, it's a chance for people maybe at a, at a time where they just need to hear somebody. Right. Which is awesome. You never know what your interaction can mean to someone. I look forward to the day that we can actually go places and meet people again, but this is what we got. Man, if people didn't love you enough from everything that you do in front of the camera or everything that you do in the streets for people, you know, then, then you read in the news that John Cena donated half a million dollars to the Los Angeles department, uh, fire department, you know, helping firefighters out in LA. We've seen how desperate they are for any help. And then we see that John Cena also said, you know what, I'm gonna step up and donate to Black Lives Matter matching what BTS did and just stepping into the fray. And I, 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 I wonder, like, what is it about the issues of the world that make John Cena go, man, I'm, I'm going to step in. You seem like that kind of guy, but a lot of people seem like that, but aren't that. What makes you do it? Uh, the BTS army matched BTS's $1 million donation. I am a member of the BTS army <laughs> and was very glad to contribute to that chunk but I was only a contributing chunk. The BTS army was responsible for matching BTS. So you're part of the BTS army? Yeah, of course. Oh, and I was, I was proud to be part of that initiative. But I think the, the takeaway here is that this group of Korean pop, pop fans stepped up, came out of their wallets, and decided that they want to use resource to help change the world. And I was, I was inspired by that, and I was inspired to give, and I was happy to be part of that group. But I, do, I cannot take credit for that and i cannot take the credit away from not only bts for donating a million bucks but the bts army for matching it and matching it in, in 24 hours i believe you're the gift for coming on the show thank you so much again for joining us look after yourself i look forward to seeing you in off. person i don't know i'm gonna hug the shit out of you just so you know it's gonna be a long bro embrace it's gonna be a long hug man i'm, I'm not playing, playing around musk man i miss your musk <laughs> thank you so much john great seeing thank you buddy you. well that's our show for tonight everybody but before we go please remember the West Coast is battling horrific wildfires that are destroying millions of acres of land and displacing thousands of people. Climate change has been a key factor in increasing the risk and the extent of these conditions. And one organization that has been working to find practical solutions for climate change and other environmental threats is the Environmental Defense Fund. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, if someone asks you to condemn white supremacy, just say, yes, I stand back and stand by. Wow, that's harder than I thought. I just wanted to say yes, and then I said stand back. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.